So hey, this is Asa. Before we even get started, I got something to tell you. Did you know that the 10K Society is open? No, 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 seriously. Did you know that it's actually available? It actually is. So what is it? So 10K Society is the one thing that you need to stop feeling like the brokest bitch at brunch. No, seriously, you know that feeling. You go to brunch, you are fly. Like everybody's looking at you because, I mean, it's you. But then what happens? You get that menu and you realize you can't afford anything. But you're an entrepreneur. You're aspiring to build the business of your dreams. And you know it's possible. But you just don't know what you just don't know. So how about you just do this? Allow me to take your hand and walk you through the journey of what it means to be an entrepreneur. Because let's face it, nobody wants to be around the broke bitch at brunch. Go to 10ksociety.co. I say again, that's www.10ksociety.co and allow me to make a difference for you now. Hello and welcome to the Entrepreneur Show. This is your divinely queer host, Asa Laveau. I am very pleased that you have decided to co-create this moment with me today. Again, this is your host, Asa Laveau, not Asa, not Asia, not Asa, but Asa. Very glad to be with you here today. If this is your very first time being with me, being with us on the show, please know that there is an understanding, a definition behind the term entrepreneur. So what this means and what this has looked like, it came from a place that I wanted to occupy, I desire to occupy two worlds at the same time like I do every day of my life. Those two worlds are being identified as well as being entrepreneurial. And for myself, I didn't always feel like I could be celebrated while being in both worlds at all times. So what that looked like at times, I would be in quote unquote straight uh, or heterosexual uh, business spaces, entrepreneurial spaces. And I would desire to bring up things and talk about queer life, uh, have an analogy, for example, that was queer identified and then that not be celebrated or to be in a queer identified space and where everybody is gagging on fashion or you know the drag queen is performing I want to talk about sales or marketing or how someone's website is converting and that wasn't looked that great either so I decided to create the intersection of things that are divinely queer and entrepreneurial, which are based on the term that I coined, entrepreneur. So that is the reason why I am doing this 
Uh, we are in our second season. So what you're listening to as of this moment is a result of the second season. Uh, we're actually getting ready. We're very, very close. We're about, we're almost, yeah, almost uh, 30 days away from uh, our celebrating our very first year in podcasting. So just the, the <laughs> idea that the fact that this is still going after a year pleases my heart, makes me so happy. I am glad that you all are still listening. Thank you so much. Now, one aspect about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship that we have to be really you know, dialed in about is the money. Let's just be honest. You got to have the money. That's one thing that separates, you know, a hobby from a business is consistent, predictable cash flow, making sure that you are doing what you need to do to create that consistent and predictable cash flow. Now, one, there are many different ways, many different ways to do that. Um, But one way that we're going to be talking about today is around fundraising. Fundraising is definitely important. I have had experience with fundraising, uh, being the executive director of a nonprofit organization, as well as work with other nonprofits, uh, churches, spiritual centers. I know what it feels like to, you know, start a fundraising thing going. But let's be honest, let's talk, we want to talk in this show, we want to talk about, talk to people who are experts in the space. People are, that are doing this day in, day out. Why? Because they can present to us information. They can let us know things that we need to consider. And they can also show us ways in which we can help them with their fundraising. So we want to do all that today. So the person that's going to help us do that today is Malik. Hello. How are you, Malik? Are you there? Hey, I'm here. How are you? I am well. How are you today? I'm doing really good. I'm excited for our chat today. Good. So the very first thing that we're going to do before we get into the nitty gritty of it all is I desire to know what was your favorite toy growing up? <laughs> oh, wow. That's a good question. Hmm. I think, do video games count? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, well, I think I think my favorite toy is definitely my Sega Dreamcast. My favorite video game of all time is Sonic Adventure 2. It's like the Sonic the Hedgehog, the little green, like, fast hedgehog. I love that mm-hmm. game so much. And I played it with my little brother, with my best friend. Definitely the Dreamcast. Like, favorite, favorite toy of all time. Okay, so I am not big on, like, I'm not a gamer at all. So tell me this. Did Dreamcast come after Sega? Yes, way, way after, way after. Okay, it's like because. Uh, mm-hmm. No, go ahead. No, it's like the third generation after like Sega Genesis. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so when I come up, I'm an eighty baby. So I started mm-hmm. out with Nintendo, then Super Nintendo, then Sega. So when I remember. Sega and Sonic the Hedgehog, I don't remember Sonic being green. I remember Sonic being blue. Hmm. Or was I just tripping? I don't think you're tripping. I think it's just 
like it's because even the way that it, it presented on the Dreamcast was totally different. It's just it's yeah. just something different, you know. Yeah, I get that. Okay, got it. So uh, the next thing is because we don't want to ever disrespect anyone here at the Entrepreneur Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to injure anyone. So can you please let us know what pronoun he is? Oh, he him. Okay, great. And what about you, Asa? Yeah, you don't. I def uh, I am definitely he him. Um, okay. However, the the notion or the idea of they them is mm-hmm. is giving me something to think about. I never considered it because I always thought that that was reserved for our trans siblings so I never wanted to you know occupy space that wasn't for me Uh, I'm I'm seeing that not be the case I'm seeing that it really is as open as you desire it Um, and so even though I am I'm just I am binary I identify as being binary like I'm a cisgendered pansexual being. I get that. I'm, I'm pondering that they, them thing. I feel that the they, them category, I feel like as we speak more about gender fluidity and things like of that nature and explore the gray area applies to more of us than we would have thought before. I think more of us are they, thems than we are um, like he or she. So I can I can feel mm-hmm. that. I'm good. I'm glad this is a I'm glad this is a safe space where that mm-hmm. happened for sure. So I would love to know and I would love for you to tell the person that's co-creating this session with us what exactly it is that you're up to in the world. Um well right now I've just been doing we actually met on Clubhouse. So shout out to Clubhouse. Um, and I've been making a lot of content yeah. for Clubhouse, doing a lot of interviews with really cool people and gearing up to start my own p- podcast at the beginning of next year. So this is exciting being, being on yours and seeing how it all works. is super dope. And I'm also working with an organization in the Bronx and Harlem called Between the Two. And it is an organization that provides um, kind of like a work-study opportunity, so to speak to disadvantaged black and brown kids um, uptown in uptown New York and also provides them with emotional regulation courses and kind of business preparedness courses. Now, how did you get into that? Um, early, <laughs> earlier, I have no idea, to be honest. I have no idea how I get into <laughs> most things. It just kind of happens. But earlier this year, um, I started to focus on giving back to the community. So I did a fundraiser for what was at the time the last black owned gay bar in New York City and the only black owned gay bar in Harlem um, and I believe the only gay bar in Harlem and it was called Alibi Lounge we raised $165,000 in a month but I think that I had raised 50 grand in two days something crazy like that mm. so we were able to yeah we were able to keep their doors open it was super cool to like see that i helped them um rebrand ch- change them from a brick and mortar to an e-commerce or attempted to at least 
and we did their whole um, drink menu. Everything had people coming in and out. It was such a great feeling, and I was like, wow, I want to do this again before the youth. So I just waited about two to three months, scoping out different organizations that needed help, and then once I found um, this organization, because it, it's run by an abolitionist, his name is Kenneth Ivey, and he's doing something that I like to call pre-abolition, right? So he's formerly incarcerated, former gang member, has uh, rededicated his life to the kids and keeping them out of trouble, but he created the program that he would have liked to have had before his life took that left turn, yeah? So mm-hmm. that's like what between the two is, and it's keeping kids that are in the school to prison pipeline, kids that don't have a lot of resources, don't have a lot of avenues for legal work, and often resort to things like um, selling narcotics, prostitution, uh, more unsavory methods of generating income to take care of themselves and their families. This organization provides them with something stable, secure, and, and honorable. Um, and so I was like, wow, I, this is something I can really get behind. This is something that I want my friends to get behind. As abolition work becomes more popular, you know, we see Kim Kardashian using these words of abolition and working with Santoya Brown. Um, we see this kind of like as a, a buzzword all over Twitter and Instagram. It's popping right now, you know? So I was like, let's devote our attention to kids in our own backyard and help them not need abolition work. Let's do the pre let's do the pre abolition work. It's like prophylactic. Yeah. Let's, let's take care of things on the front end. So that's how I got involved. Yes, preventative care. I I like that. Uh, so I've I've definitely signed on in the work that you're doing with children, the work you're doing with youth. And I first off, I'm a little I'm a little sad right now because I have been to New York. Let's say, how many times have I been to New York? I have been to New York City quite a bit over the years. I want to say since the first time I want to say was 2010. So I've been going there for 10 years. And one thing that I never knew was that there was a place for gay people in Harlem. I did not know that. Uh, and yes, I have been to Harlem. Like, usually every time I go, I go to Harlem. So the fact that there's a place, I'm a little sad I didn't know that. There's definitely, um, an, uh, like, more places now. As I wrapped up working with Alibi Lounge, there was another organization, um, well, not organization, but bar that popped up called Lambda Lounge and Lambda Lounge is run um, by black queer men as well so that was really cool it's cool to see those kind of places really? there's two now okay. right down the block from each other totally Be- because what I when I'm in um, when I'm in New York I also well first off I'm either staying in Brooklyn or I stay in Manhattan but mm-hmm. all the time all the pop the parties that I see like that are popping popping are usually in Hell's Kitchen or some other part of Manhattan. I never hear about parties, like queer parties in Harlem. Is that a reason for that? Or is it kind of like you need to know somebody? Um, I don't think you need to know somebody. I think that there's definitely queer parties that happen in Harlem. They're just more associated with the food and drink culture up there. So if you're, and I'm, I'm also not into that, so I didn't know about them until I started working up there. But there's mm-hmm. places like Harlem Nights that do Trappy Hour. That's something that's really big. And I believe like that Washington Heights area, once you get up to like the 160s and stuff, are also popping for things like that. 
Um, but once if you get into like food Instagram, you know that side of Instagram and like uh, drink Instagram, like bar culture, you'll definitely see a lot of queer events. Harlem is very queer and very queer friendly. I was um, not surprised, but just like uh, intrigued more as, as as to how queer life was incorporated into the food and drink culture up there. Like that's really the the cornerstone of a lot of socializing up there. That makes me happy. That really mm-hmm. does because it's beautiful. Regardless, because I, of course, we all know that Atlanta is seen as the black mecca for everything. Mm-hmm. So if you're black church or black queer or black business or black whatever, uh, oftentimes you know Atlanta is the place. But before Atlanta was popping, it was Harlem for mm-hmm. a very significant amount of time. And so, but it's always just nice to know that based on our, many of our experiences of being black and queer identified, that Harlem is so, I, I really do love that. Um, that makes me think of Harlem Renaissance when uh, people like, you know, Madam C.J. Walker's daughter and Langston Hughes were there and being able to just be so that's good. I like to hear that. Thank you for sharing that. So, so we can get back uh, to the topic at hand, which is the <laughs> fundraising part. So, how? What is it about fundraising that just makes you so good at it? Um, I think I'm good at fundraising because I'm passionate. I also think I'm good at fundraising because. I understand the internet and I understand that the internet is about, when it comes to raising money at least, quantity, not quality. It's about getting as many eyes on your fundraiser as possible, right? So that's something that like I really pride myself in is being able to make things go viral. I'm trying to make this campaign go viral right now. Um, being able to understand the pulse of like where society is at, being able to check the social barometer and match that with internet culture, again, to draw more eyes to what I'm doing, to align myself with things that I know. Um, are aligning with what's going on in society. What made the Alibi fundraiser so successful was doing it in a time where there was a lot of money being spent, and I was able to, like, a lot of money just in the air. Remember how much money was going around in July, June, July, August, even up to September? There was a lot of guilt, and, so, and, with, and with the guilt came a lot oh, of Oh, yeah. <laughs> let, me throw the, let me throw the money at this problem. I'm not, I'm not one of them. So with that kind of energy going on, in, like, up there, I felt like, okay, let's siphon some of this money and let's siphon some of this business benevolence coming from large corporations and things like that to help small businesses. Um, so I think that, again, to, to circle back, knowing what types of organizations and what types of projects are going to generate money, um, knowing what types of organizations and projects are worth the money and aligning myself with them, tying all that up makes me good at what I do. So, to, for me, that sounds like you are very detailed-oriented when it comes to marketing. Would that be accurate? Um, absolutely. I would say that. And I'm, I'm thinking about the person that could be listening to us, and they may have a nonprofit that they're a part of, and that's how they do business, or they have... Um, a business idea that they are looking to get fundraising for and they're saying man fundraising that sounds so dope what is maybe just one 
just one aspect of marketing that has been beneficial for you to create viral content or just content that people care about? What has been one thing that you've done uh, that made that a reality for you? Copywriting, like literally having an elevator pitch and having your copy done. I work with organizations that are already established. I have my mm-hmm. own nonprofit, but I'm still learning the ins and outs of that. So I just align myself with other people to make their dreams come true, right? But one thing that I'm really, really good at is creating copy and telling a story. And you have to tell a story that's going to allow the reader or your audience to really empathize with the situation. Usually in my case, I'm working with people that are coming from a position of, of lack, of disadvantage. So it's just like, all right. How do I communicate that this is not necessarily a handout or this isn't a poor me situation? This is giving back to people that are a valued member of society or giving back to establishments that are necessary um, to, to maintain a culture, to maintain like American culture and to keep the fabric of our society together. I think that when you create copy that is both, uh, that, uh, excuse me, that evokes emotion and that brings forward a response of like, oh, wow, what I'm doing is, is benefiting. I'm being proactive. I'm being active. And I'm, I am a part of keeping this, um, this, this member of society like afloat. I'm part of keeping this business afloat. That is a better thing to like, that's a better response to engender than pity. Because pity often uh, is matched with a sense of like resentment or it can, it can even be patronizing. So knowing how to write copy and, and craft copy that doesn't bring forward pity and then the poor you, you know, pat you on the head. You're not really able to advocate for yourself. When it brings forward the kind of empowering response, then you notice that people want to give to you in other ways. People not only just provide money, they provide resources, they provide, um, you know, they will donate their even their time. Time is one of the best resources that people have to offer. And when you see people donate skills outside of money and things like that, that's how you know your copy was successful and people actually believe in what you're trying um, to accomplish. So yes, copywriting is important and having an elevator pitch that matches uh, whatever organization you're working with, their business statement, super, super important as well. Now you talked about your story. And so if somebody's listening like, well, Malik, I have a story, but nobody's saying nothing. Like nobody's, there's no money. Nobody's coming to the site. So how do you even know that the story was even good? How do you know that? Um, I think you asked somebody like me for consult and to ask you, or you asked somebody like me, you know, to ask you questions. <laughs> like, you know, um, what what is your story trying to say? Who is your, who are you trying to reach? What, why do you need this money? Um, if you don't have any outside feedback, it can kind of be hard to fundraise within like a vacuum. A lot of people are only talking to themselves or their immediate following on, on social media. So being able to reach out and speak to someone that does this kind of thing on a broader scale is important. I would also say reaching out to your actual audience and interacting with people in DMs like direct feedback is super um, important as well. You can't go and reach out to someone like me on the internet or something like that. I talk to people over the internet. So when I'm speaking to people, I'm in a, I'm in a lot of different people's DMs, whether that be a publication or a person with a large platform or my dad. You know what I mean? It's like there's a lot of people that I'm getting feedback from all the time on what I'm trying to do, even in the kind of like infant stages of my fundraising project. It's super, super, super important to get feedback. So if you're not getting feedback, that means you're not working hard enough. 
and there's lots of consultancy like firms online there's lots of individuals that, that do this like out of the goodness of their heart like me online and i think um yeah reaching out is important if you're not getting the traffic and the buzz that you want that means you're not working hard enough because it's very easy to ask someone to review what you've written gotcha totally understand and with that being said i want to know what are you working on now because you definitely shown that you know you're you've done what it needs to take for quality copy you've told your story you've marketed well you've had definitely a, a string of successes so what's next for you um right now again i'm super excited to be working with this organization between the two i think that's what's most pressing i want to get them they need sixty-five thousand. i'm trying to raise that by christmas i know that's a lot of money but um i think it's a it's a worthy cause not as sexy as alibi lounge you know community start picking up trash and like you know therapy is not as sexy as the last black owned gay bar but it's just as worthwhile um mm -hmm. so that's that's what's pressing at the forefront of my mind and my intention i want to get that done but i also I have my own nonprofit that I want to get off the ground, so it's raising private capital for that. Um, trying to figure out what things I can donate to directly, what other projects that I see kind of in their inception that I want to get behind. Um, especially moving into 2021, that's going to be something I work with more, whether that be um, doing more in media, um, as far as like with the with actual visibility, public access television programs, things like that around New York that I think will be beneficial to the least of us like i, I want to work um in that capacity but again also raising money that i can just donate to people as i choose not fundraising through different organizations got it now now if somebody the person that's listening and they're like okay so malik seems dope he knows what he's talking about so <laughs> why would why would someone connect with you would they connect with you only if they had money for one of your uh, one of your platforms, one of the, uh, your organizations, like why why would someone reach out to you? Um, people reach out to me for a lot of different things. <laughs> I think that if you can reach out to me for any reason, um, preferably like you know professional reasons, but it's just like if you need help um, with just like restructuring. How you present yourself online if you need any type of help with like digital marketing and media stuff i'm definitely good for that um any type of consultancy work that you need if, you, if i can't help you i can help somebody help you achieve your goals when it comes to promotion and like marketing and visibility and wording all that kind of good stuff that goes with putting a package together i'm your guy but definitely reach out to me if you have money for these organizations um, it's the end of the year, so if there's any donations type stuff that people in corporate have going on, if you have any type of like giving back, diversity and inclusion um, incentives, definitely reach out to me because this is a fantastic organization to get involved with. But I can also give back to you as well. Thank you. And then how do they reach out to you? What is the, what's the best way to connect? Um, you can reach me. I, I really prefer email only. My email is Malik, M-A-L-I-K, at org. So that's S-A-A-K-A-G-R-O-U-P dot O-R-G. So Malik at org. Thank you. And then I will make sure 
that that is in the the show notes. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I do want to reach out to Malik because of the fundraising, because of the different possibilities that he, we discussed here, do that. Do that quickly. Um, yeah. before, like, seriously, do that quickly. And so Malik, I appreciate you coming on, offering definitely guidance, offering your acumen, your experience when it comes to fundraising. I think what you're doing is so very necessary. Oh, like indeed you. necessary. Uh, we've we haven't had anyone on thus far talking about fundraising. So for those of you who are listening, you're like, you know what, Asa, you're right. I need to incorporate fundraising into my my uh, into just your my overall business. Yeah, into your business yeah, model. Overall business model. And regardless if it's profit, for profit, non profit, um, you can really benefit from that. So Malik, thank you for coming on, uh, presenting your time. It was not in vain. It was definitely needed and necessary. And so those of you who are listening, do your best to reach out. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Ace Lavo. Dreams and blessings.